1: Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with an amazing guest today, Rick ornelis But before I introduce him, I would like to invite you. I'd like to actually introduce you to maybe an aspect of your own self that you've not previously explored. Many of us have giftedness that's beyond the realm of what people consider normal and ordinary. And the truth of the matter is every single one of us has these extraordinary superpowers uh, that were granted to us at birth. And I created a wonderful one minute assessment that will allow you to go out and determine what is your particular superpower. And you can take that assessment for free at Mm superpowerquiz.us. That's superpowerquiz.us. No strings. All right, so now that you have had that opportunity to get to know yourself, I'm going to introduce you to Rick Ornelis. He is an author, a professional coach, and founder of iSpark Change, a program which teaches men and women to unlock their amazing potential to create an incredible future and to change the world around them. With a social sciences and communications degree and more than 25 years of additional study, he has over 10,000 hours of training in communication, sociology, interpersonal relationships and leadership. He's the author of 12 Hours in Heaven, oh sorry, 12 Hours of Heaven, my bad, and Lessons for a Better World. Rick has been featured in multiple media outlets, including national and international television and radio. He's a regular writer for Lifehack and a guest contributor for various websites. Welcome, Rick. I am so excited to have you with me.
2: Hi, Sophia, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on on your show and I'm really looking forward to our conversation.
1: Yes, me too, absolutely. (laughs) So we like to follow the journey around here and you weren't born as an international radio guest and author and all this exciting stuff. So tell me a little bit what life was like before you really got tuned in with your higher self.
2: I'd say, I'd say that I've I've really gone through a life, the way I look at it is it's really been a life of preparing me for, you know, to get to that point. And I say that because as, you know, we'll discuss where I am moving forward now in the journey. You know, we'll get to that, but is that I'm really First and foremost, a, a family
1: individual.
2: All, all about my family, and and I have my wife of twenty five years. We just celebrated twenty 20th anniversary. Oh,
1: congratulations! Yeah,
2: thank you. Very we're much. we're
1: twenty five years this year too, my husband and I.
2: Very cool. Congratulations! Yeah, it's a it's definitely a good year to get to. Um, <laughs> so, my wife, we have we have three beautiful daughters, and I think that a lot of my story begins with, with growing up that I was the youngest of, of five. I have four older sisters. So you can probably tell why God decided to give me three daughters because I had four older sisters. So I was. You've
1: got depth of experience with women. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. Or at least I like to think that, right? I, mean, I, I don't know if that's even possible, but I think I have a little bit. So it, it really goes back to, you know, I was raised as family being the most important important thing in life, is that your, your family and your faith are, are what's most important. And I mean, my, my father was a disciplinarian, my, my mother uh, was very loving. And, and you know, with that, I, I learned the gifts of many of the gifts that I would have that would eventually come out later in in, in their greater form, you know, now. G- but,
1: give, but Give me it. an example of one of those. Lesson. So I would
2: say, I would say one of, one of those gifts is to, uh, well, one of the first and foremost is to love is, is yeah. to, to try to love unconditionally. Um, and that that's just universal across all human beings, but I'd say another one is to, uh, to serve and to help others is to truly try to be of service to others around. And, and that was something that I always saw my, my father just do just. Without even you know, any thought, right? He would just go automatically to to help someone or give them the the shirt off his back, if you will. And that was something I, I learned very very early, um, and, and especially first and foremost is uh, serving your family, uh, that your you know your family, the ones that are closest to you, that you help them in any way, shape, or form. And I can think of just different examples from when we were we were young and and you know, someone would have an emergency, a car would break down or something. And my dad would just like in a second would drop anything and, and just go tend to those needs and, and not even think twice about whatever it was or what it cost or, or, you know, uh, what it would mean to him or what he would lose or anything like that. And so that's really, those are really some of the things that I've that really, I think have formed have formed me, but, but I, I mean, I, I went through life, you know, until, until just last year i went through life living those those tenets if you will having those values of family and faith and love and everything
1: and they're wonderful values <laughs> yes. yeah i think
2: so i think so um, but but i didn't i never realized the extent of those gifts and how many lives that i could touch with those gifts i i always figured that those were, as I learned from my, from my parents, that those are really special for your family and, and they get the, they get the benefit of those gifts on a daily basis and everything like that. And others do as well. Others, you know, in different times, they they get the benefit of those gifts, but, but I, it wasn't until, you know, more, more recently that I realized that thinking that way is, is kind of plain small. It's kind of just, Mm -hmm. just living, um, you know, living in a, in a small area when. In a, a little
1: live. bubble sort in of. Whole, yeah.
2: Yeah. In a bubble. Yeah. It, when you could, you could impact, you know, so many more lives and so many more, more people. Um, and so I'd say that the big part of it, you know, the big part of, of who I am is, you know, family first faith. Um, someone that tries to, to love and, and to serve others in, in different ways. and, and, through that I think that's where some of my work came into play
0: you know mm-hmm. as you said
2: um, being a being a coach uh, I you know, I work as a business coach and professional professional coach I'm a CrossFit coach in in, in as a hobby that I do and, and used to do a little more of that so you know in, in a in a athletic component I've done coaching there and so I think all the whole time People have asked me, like, well, what, what really are you? I'm like, well, I guess at the deepest level, I'm probably a coach. In, in yeah,
1: at base, right? I'm a coach. It doesn't matter yeah, what base. what you throw me into, I end up coaching it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. And and I think that's where that that's where that service really comes into play is, is to try to um, to try and coach others to help them to show them how they can be better how yeah. uh, they can be a better version of themselves and and help them to evolve to get to that point. Cause that's that's the process that I've been going through for years and, and trying to get others to do the
1: same. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that your definition initially of like family was a very kind of small insular sort of bubble, relatively speaking. Um, how did you start to get nudged to expand that definition?
2: I think that really came from the adversity and the tragedies that that come in life. Um, when when I think back to where you start, you start going, you know, more outside. Outside that bubble is where where something something happens that you can't expect, right? That you can't mm-hmm. predict. I, I remember I remember a neighbor. So as I was saying, my dad would would drop anything. I remember a neighbor was mo- when I was young. I was probably seven or eight uh, a neighbor was mowing his lawn and there's something with the mower and he had his got his hand underneath and he ended up <gasps> slicing off a, a two or three fingers I don't remember Holy a buckets. few fingers and you know he's screaming and my dad hears this we're outside and my dad it's like a Saturday you know doing yard work and he, he runs over and, and he goes to help him and he call 911 and everything and I was friends with the, you know the boy the, this, this man's son and and my dad's trying to help him and get ice for the fingers and all these different things um but what i what i started to realize with from that situation and then other situations like that is that okay your family is more than just the people that are you know your immediate blood right your family yeah, related are to others. you
1: living in your household yeah <laughs>
2: yes exactly your family are those others that that make up your tribe if you will that make up the people in your community the people around you and, you know there'd be other things that would we'd help with something at school or or we'd help with something with the church and and all those type of things. And that's where I started laying the foundations for realizing, okay, there's there's you know more of just this little bubble, right? It's not just the, the little bubble that I'm inside. But even so, even going into into years later, I, I still you know, I mean I keep my family very close. And I mean they 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 are my world. Um and I do anything Anything for them first and foremost, and then and then obviously for others and you know, neighbors in the community, in the greater
1: absolutely. Yeah. So how how far out now has your definition of a family expanded? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you that, mentioned that COVID might have shifted a couple of things.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, it, it, it really did, and it it was in that time, uh, Sophia, it was last year when the world had shut down. And we had everyone's in isolation and you know, pandemic, and who knows? There's there's all this uncertainty, right? That with yep. with uncertainty, it's kind of like the adversity that that tragedy that happened, like you know the story with my neighbor. When something like that happens, you're kind of forced to go into a new place, right? To start yep. expanding or growing or changing, or right? Find,
1: finding talents at first aid that you never knew you had, right? Yeah, exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. And with that, that's where I I started to realize that it, uh, your family can be, you know, the human race. It it can be really, you know, really anyone on this planet, really anyone across the world can be a part of that, that greater human family. Um, And, and that's, that's how it's, it's led to, you know, some of the things that I've been working on and. And some of the ways that I've changed, you know, in the yeah. past year is just looking at, at the, the greater family, if you will, the bigger picture.
1: Absolutely. So what were the what were the things that you really started to that started to bubble up in your realization, I guess, for lack of a better uh, way to say it, around your role in this world, your path of service?
2: The, the things that really started to, to bubble up were that I had some gifts to offer that i had i'd been given some talent, some gifts, some words, some inspiration uh, how, however you want to categorize it but that I had some things that that others didn't that you know for, as we're, for
1: as, example give me one yeah, one f- little moment
2: sure sure for example so when when the pandemic started, Mm -hmm. And as I was saying, it's an anxious time, isolation, all these things, right? I started feeling uncomfortable. I started feeling in that anxious place myself and that that loss of control kind of feeling, which is not a comfortable place for me. Not a comfortable
1: place for any of us, honestly. Mm -hmm. But some of us are more control freaky than others. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I have to own that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, guilty. Guilty of that too. So it's not a comfortable place. And at first, you go into that place, where you're like, okay, this is not where I want to be. And then I quickly realized that I needed to get out of there and do something about it. So I, I wrote a blog article entitled How to Use COVID as an Opportunity. And it was a two-part blog. And the, in this blog article, um, I shared some of the things that we've been talking about. So I said, you need to serve others, and you need to help people that are less fortunate, and you need to be grateful for what you ha- what you do have. You know, Mm -hmm. even if you don't have much, you need to be grateful for what you do have. And, and all these, and I started talking about all these, you know, all these things. Yeah. And, and when that, um, when that happened and others started reading those words and being inspired and accepting those words and being inspired by them, I realized, okay, that, that realization that I had. Um, of I need to get out of this place that others aren't coming to that realization that there's a lot of people that are kind of stuck if you will that had yeah. gotten stuck in that yeah. place
1: well it's it's kind of this normal shock reaction thing that happens there's three or four things that happen when something shocking occurs and some people respond by like standing up and bristling and fighting and some of us run away and some of us literally just freeze Mm-hmm. and 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 can't really move out of that till somebody like activates us out of it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The kind of the freeze fight or flight kind of, kind of thing, you know, that we yeah. responses and, <clears throat> and realizing that I, I saw that there was a lot of people that were, that were frozen, you know, as you, as you say, that were, that were stuck in until something was activating. So I, I wanted to do something about that. Wanted to do some, some, I realized, Hey, writing, writing is a way that can, that can help with that
1: mm, very nice so might i ask what you chose to write about
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that that takes us to a to a different part of my story really um sophia because after i wrote that blog and that that two-part blog as i said i it made me think of a story that had been in my head for 20 years that had been there in the back of my mind somewhere for, for 20 years. And I had been seeing signs for a couple of years that I needed to write that story, that I needed to write the story that would eventually become my book.
1: Tell me what those signs were. So, uh, I love exploring people's signs because yeah, we all have yeah, a of slightly different language.
2: <laughs> of course. So so when when I first had when I first had the idea for the story um, without giving that away, because I I, I'll share that in a minute, but, but without giving that away, when I first had the idea for the, for the story 20 years ago, I wrote uh, what I called a to-do list for every day for myself. Mm
1: -hmm. And this
2: included some of the things that were similar to what I had written in that COVID in that uh, COVID block. Yeah. Things like being present and uh, doing unto others and living like it was the last day of your life, things like that. Well, I had written that and I had uh, typed it up on a little paper and I printed it out. Well, I'm cleaning out my desk one day and I hadn't seen that paper in years. I had yeah. lost that. It had been on some For, computer for some all
1: day. you knew, it had gone off the face yeah. of the earth.
2: <laughs> Random computer or whatever, gone. Well, I'm cleaning out my desk and... Inside the drawer, you know, like that top drawer of your desk, you have the little, the little dividers for pens and paper clips and all that stuff. And I'm cleaning this out. And I take it out, and there's the sheet underneath. It's hidden, had gotten underneath somehow, uh, underneath there. And I was like, oh wow, look at this. And that had been, that had been probably about a year, or maybe a year, year and a half before I ended up writing the story. So I was like, oh, wow. And it reminded me of the story. And so I started thinking about it. And I started thinking about it and I was like, maybe I should really start writing.
1: Mm, and on that note, I'm gonna take us to our commercial break. And when we return, we'll hear how the rest of this story plays out. If you are out there in listener land joining us today, I would invite you to grab your pen, grab your paper, and spend a little time on the things that you have in your life right now that you are grateful for. They can be big things like I've got an amazing family and great children, or they can be little tiny things like, I'm still alive and giving it another shot today. I'm breathing. These are also amazing things to be grateful for. So make your list of things great and small that you are grateful for and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renee Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZophia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I'm here with Rick Ornelas. And we he was telling us about some of the signs that, that were pulling him towards writing this book. And when we left for break, he was digging, cleaning in his desk and had this uh, reminder pop out from underneath his paperclip tray. <laughs> so why don't you pick that story up, Rick?
2: Sure, absolutely. And- So as I was saying, I I found that list of those uh, to-do lists for every day that I had written 20 years prior, or or at this point, probably, you know, 19, 18 and a half years prior. And it made me think, you know, I really, I really should start writing, should start writing that story, that story that had been in my, in my head. And another sign would have been that a year ago, or last July. So just, just we're coming up on the anniversary, actually, this would have been, um, july of of 2019 or actually may of 2019 my my dad um who was 96 at the time had uh, was living on his own was was relatively healthy and he had a fall and then when he fell he he had to go in the hospital and um you know he, he'd hurt his leg and his hip and everything and
1: yeah rotten timing and, for that last july
2: <laughs> rotten, yeah rotten timing yeah and, and so what happened and and the fall was actually in in may but what happened was uh, i went to visit him and and i kept hearing like i kept hearing this voice inside like you know you you really should start writing you really should start writing that book you really should start writing the book and i had been you know i'd kind of hear it here and there, you know, I'd look at that paper because I, I ended up sticking it to my monitor. To <laughs> where,
1: you, where you can't forget about it again. You <laughs> can't forget about it. I can't lose it.
2: So I, so, so I had it right there on the desk so I'd see it all the time. But, you know, a constant reminder. So I guess a constant sign staring me in the face. But as I went to visit him and and I, I kept hearing that voice about writing the book, I I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't told anybody you know, even my wife or anything, and told him about that. Well, my dad, when he was younger, when I was young, I he loved to read, and until he got very old, he would read. I mean, he would read like a novel a week, and was just so into reading.
1: Yeah, a so voracious I, reader. <laughs> yes,
2: and so I told him. I said, you know, I, I'm going. I I have a, a story. I'm going to start writing my book, and he got so excited that he he actually pushed the call button for the nurse. So the nurse could come in and he could tell them that I was going to write a book. He's like, Oh, my son's writing a book. And he was, he was so excited. <laughs> and, and it, it, you know, it meant so much to me how proud he was. He was always proud of me for, you know, anything I did, but he was, he was so proud of that. And so when he, when he passed away a couple months later in the, in July, July 24th, um, when he passed away of, of 2019, I told myself, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely writing writing the book. And you know, life goes on and, and timing and everything. And then it was right after I wrote that blog that I I was reminded again. I'm like, okay, now's the time. Now Yeah, you know that, I've
1: I've been in my mind thinking, well, when time arrives, I'll do this, right? <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. And 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 that was really where where I where I said to myself, I was like, okay, look, you've been given this incredible gift of all this free time. Okay. Because you're at home, your work has slowed down, you know, substantially, you have a ton of free time, you know, that you can sit around and watch binge watch Netflix, or you can do something. And I had written in a blog that you need to do something with it. So I was like, I need to take my own advice. So I, that's when I started writing. That's when I started writing, uh, writing my book in, um, in April of, of last year
1: okay and how did the writing process go i know some people find it a little herky-jerky to get started
2: well i'm i'm a very uh, methodical person mm-hmm. <laughs> so my my first step before i even started writing i started doing some research on you know writing and tips for writing and everyone all the all the tips say oh you need to write consistent you need to write every day and have a goal have a daily goal you know you write yeah. 500 words a, a day or thousand words a day so I went about the process very methodical. I went about the oh. process very, okay, I'm going to write 500 to 1,000 words a day, and I'm going to write every weekday, and And I wrote at the same time, in the afternoon, every day, and so I just, you know, very very rigid. Very
1: structured, but, yeah. Very <laughs>
2: structured and, and methodical, yeah. And and the story, you know, the story was there, um, and, and it's a fictional story. It's a fictional story um, about an angel um, that is sent down from heaven to earth, and he gets trapped in an elevator with 10 individuals, 10 completely different individuals from all different walks of life. And he gets trapped in this elevator with them for a period of 12 hours, hence the name 12 Hours of Heaven. And, and during the time that they're trapped, he is able to help each one of them with a different problem, challenge that they have in their life. And he's able to help them you know, get past that and, and learn from that. And those are the, the lessons that he, for a better world that he teaches them. Oh, awesome. Because each of them and those lessons are, are, are very similar, you know, and some of them the same from that same list that I had written, written 20 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even, even some from that blog that I had written in COVID. So I know, you know, going back to what I originally was saying about who I, who am I, and you know what, how did I kind of get to this point is that all of those were lessons that I had, had learned throughout my life. All of those were lessons that I had learned at, at some point that had impacted me that uh, you know my parents had taught me that my father played a big role in and you know and others and you know they had such an impact on you know, on my um, transformation if you will that um, I felt strongly that they could have an impact for others.
1: That's beautiful. I would like to kind of rewind and take you back to the moment of inspiration on this story way back, what, 20 years ago now? <laughs> yes. What What was going on? What was happening with, that this moment of inspiration arrived?
2: So I was a um, young father at the time. My, my wife, Tanya, and I, we had two young girls. They were three and one. Um, our daughters, Ciara and Kinsey, you know, who are now 24 and 21 <laughs> years old, so they were, they were around three and three and one or three and a half and one, something like that. But, but they're, um, we were, we were just a young family, right? We were, we were, we were happy. We, um, we, we had a home. We were, um, you know, we were, I was uh, happy in work. We, we had friends, we had family, we were, we were close. Everything was enjoyable and we had, Driven, we were living in, in Southern California at the time, and we had driven about uh, two hours south to go to a birthday party for, um, I think it was a, a friend, a young, a young, uh, young child's birthday party. And we had gone to that party, and we're driving home, and it's on a Sunday, so it's, uh, you know, we, it's uh, getting later on a Sunday, you know, late in the, in the evening, and we're driving on the freeway and it starts to rain really hard. I mean, it's rain, like it doesn't rain in South, Southern California. It starts yeah, raining- It's
1: that blinding rain yes. that you just, <laughs> the world is this wall of water.
2: <laughs> exactly, where the wipers can't clear it off fast, yep. enough, right? And we get that in Texas like daily, but you know, in, in California, not common. That's
1: unusual, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, so we're driving the freeway and it starts raining really hard. Well, we see cars pulled off, you know, pulling off the freeway because, and, and so we 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 think about pulling off, but it's starting to get dark. And my wife is like, "Oh man, we have to get home. You know, it's Sunday, and if we, it, it's going to be worse if it's in the you know it's dark, right? If it's if mm-hmm. it's nighttime, it's going to be even worse to try to drive in the rain." So we decided just continue slowly. So we continue on on slowly on the freeway, and you know it's it's enough. You know, kind of patches where you can at least see the lines and everything.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you're still on the road, and you haven't hit anyone.
2: <laughs> well, we. We're driving along and just a short, just a few minutes later, um, we're in the slow lane, you know, the the very first slow lane. And I hit like a big puddle and I end up hydroplaning and and lose control of the vehicle. Mm. So we start spinning out of control, just spinning 360 degrees, just spinning. And we start spinning towards the center divider. So we spin across four lanes all the way across the Yeah, into
1: the cement and stuff.
2: Yes, where, that, where the big cement concrete center divider is, right? Well, not wanting to hit the center divider, I'm trying to steer and correct, but you can't really steer. But what happens, um, surprisingly, is we don't hit the center divider and we start spinning back the other direction. So we spin back across the other
1: four back forward. across the four lanes of traffic back,
2: across the four lanes now we don't hit any other cars and you know the cars were sparse at this time but we don't hit. thank any you cars.
1: angels right
2: yeah, <laughs> exactly and we end up going off the freeway off the shoulder we go up a dirt embankment and we hit a, a cinder block wall there and we flip completely over <gasps> and we land back on the wheels
1: Oh, amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Right. It was like,
2: you know, like you said, angels or someone's controlling the car and making sure we have a little safe path and we, you know, we land on the wheels. Well, the roof of the car is smashed down. The windshield is shattered. The right side windows are all shattered. The right side's all smashed in from hitting the wall. But my daughters are completely unharmed. My wife is unharmed. She's her. Her shoulders a little sore from banging into the wall but there's no nobody's cut from the glass there's no blood there's no broken bones yeah no broken bones nothing and my daughters had actually been asleep now at this point they had woken up they're
1: awake now (laughs)
2: yeah they're they're crying and wondering what's going on but but we you know we get them out and we manage to crawl out of my side and we get on the side of the road there and and this uh, older couple had pulled over and they come over and it's still pouring rain and, and the lady puts a blanket around my wife and my wife is sitting there holding the girls and just sobbing and, and you know, praying and, and thanking God. And, and the lady puts this blanket around, around my wife. And then I'm talking to the gentleman and he tells me this, the most incredible thing he's ever seen. And he says, I can't believe that you're alive, you know, that you got out of that car and, that you, you know, they had called 911. They thought we were
1: yeah.
2: you know, seriously injured or dead or, or
1: dead you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, worse. And, and, but we were fine and the car was towed off and, and, um, you know, we went to the hospital and they check out and the, the guy at the doctor in the ER is like, I don't even really need to check the kids. Like they're fine. And I'm like, And Check them out. Well, he checked them. out. I mean, everything's fine. And as i reflected on that on that accident you know i people are like oh it was a miracle It was a miracle you know angels and, and my my mother is like oh your guardian angels protected you and and that's why you're alive and and she gave me a a um a little angel pin a little guardian angel pin a little gold angel pin and i she told me to put it in my car so i stuck it in the visor you know i had gotten a, a replacement vehicle and i stuck it in the and i had to drive a lot for work at that time so I, I stuck it in there, and then one day, short after, um, short shortly after, is when I wrote that to do list because I was reflecting. That I went through a period of reflection after that about you know what happened, you know, was this a miracle? Yeah. Why what does alive? it
1: mean? Yeah,
2: yeah, all that stuff. And one day I'm kind of daydreaming, if you will, and I and I look up at that angel pin, and then I had this the idea for the story in my head, like like that. In an instant. Yeah. In an instant. Like I had, it felt as if I had just walked out of watching it and it was a movie and I had just watched it and I was like, Oh, it's all, it's all there. You know, I, I just had all the memories of of watching this. And that was the, that was the story that would become, that would become my book, um, 20 years later.
1: That is awesome. That (laughs) is an awesome story. I love that. (laughs) It's amazing what guardian angels can do. I had a a car accident moment that was quite similar to that. I ended up, um, someone had come into my lane and in the process of trying to recover control of my car and not get hit by them, we were in, you know, that fishtail mode and I bounced off of a uh, an embankment that was right in front of a bridge abutment. And if we'd been half an inch farther to the left, we'd have taken the bridge abutment like right up the center of the car. As it was, we bounced off of it, went back across four lanes of heavy freeway traffic (laughs) Uh and landed on the opposite side of the bridge facing into traffic, but on the shoulder. And we were not touched in the entire incident. The car took a, a ton of damage. There was a little bit of whiplash, but I mean, it could have been far worse because this was really heavy. Everybody's returning to town traffic. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're yeah. telling that story. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. Guardian Angel's working overtime right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen them in action. They're really impressive.
2: Yeah, working fast, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and it's amazing. They take care of all the details too, because we'd been coming from a conference and I had on this this suit that was like color blocked and like really distinctive. And I'm standing on the side of the road and people from the conference stopped because they recognized me in that suit. And we got a <laughs> ride back to Baton Rouge from, I forget where we were, someplace in Mississippi.
2: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's not close, either.
1: No, it's not (laughs) close either. But boy, they looked out for all the details. I love that story. We are already, would you believe it, up on our second break. Oh, wow. (laughs) So we will uh, we'll ask more questions of you when we get back from the break. If you are out there in listener land, uh, again, spend a little time over the break here with your pad of paper and pencil you wrote down some gratitudes which are amazing things to acknowledge on a day-to-day basis because when you acknowledge what it is you already have that you appreciate it opens the door for more things for you to appreciate. And on this break what I'd invite you to do is to acknowledge the moments where perhaps just maybe your guardian angels pulled your your bacon out of the fire (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, hang with us we'll be right back
3: become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice America
1: hey beautiful soul Sophia Renea Morales here I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now and I would like to hear from you tell me what you want to hear in coming shows go to tell TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com drop me a quick note and let me know How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales, and I'm here with Rick Onelis. And he had just told us about the inspiration for the story that's in his book. And what I'd like to understand, Rick, um, once you got the book written, which is a big feat actually in and of itself, a lot of people never get the entire thing out on paper. Um, How'd you manage to bring that out into the world? Because I know publishing is sometimes a real stumper.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, you know what, I'm going to say, actually, that um, that was the easy part. And I'm going to explain what I mean by easy part. Because All right,
1: because none of this seems very easy on its face. <laughs> no, it doesn't.
2: But it, I, I, it should make sense. Okay, it should make sense. So, when I'm going to rewind a tiny bit. So, when I was writing, if you remember i said i went through about the writing very methodically right 500 to 1000 mm-hmm. words a day and, and yep. consistent and everything well when i hit the middle of june of last year i hit this time of incredible spiritual connection and divine inspiration is what i what i felt and i started having a flood of creativity. And I would wake up with uh, having dreams and visions and this just creative flow of ideas. And and a, a friend of mine, she said, you were receiving a divine download. And,
1: yes, and that's so exactly that's, what it feels like. Yes, yes exactly
2: <laughs> what it feels like. And so what happened is that I went from writing those thousand words to where I would write a chapter in a couple hours where I would write, you know, oh, 2,500 words in, in just a couple hours. And my writing just flourished for a period of about you know four or five weeks in there from, you know, from June through July, so much so that I was able to to finish this, the book in under three months that it was just, I, I finished it so quickly. Um, and and that's why that was the start. Why I say that it was, it became easier because I, I had, when I started, I'm like, this is going to take me six months. It's going to be next year until it yep. comes out and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, as I was writing and I'm writing and and I kept hearing that I needed to do more than just write a book and that I needed to inspire others and help others. Well, that inspired my writing and, and, and I felt the story was just being given to me and I was just the typist, right?
1: Well, <laughs> <You're> taking dictation. <laughs> taking
2: dictation from, you know, above. Well, as I as I'm having all these ideas, and at the same time, things are happening in the world that were, you know, th- were troublesome times. You know, we had mm-hmm. we had riots, and we had the pandemic, and we had all these things happening in the world, these atrocities, and that really helped to inspire my writing and, and help. I think that helped with the whole quick writing process and getting everything done easily. Well, all that led me led that led me to believe that when I finished that I needed to get the story out as quick as possible, that I needed to get it published right away. And I was thinking, okay, well, if I talk to a publisher from everything I read, I'm like, it's going to take like six months to a year.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's
2: going to take forever. Right. And a, and a friend of mine, um, Danny Bader, who's written four books. And he said, you know, I have a publishing consultant that can help you. And And he put me in touch with this publishing consultant and we had a, a first call where it was supposed to be a 15-minute kind of um, introductory call. And we ended up talking for like over an hour.
1: I was going to say and, three hours later. <laughs> yeah. And, and she
2: tells me, she says, you know what, Rick? She's like, you need to get this book out right away. You need to get this book out now because people need it. And we're at a time where people need this inspiration and, and your words need to be get out. Your story needs to get out. So she tells me, she says, well, it, it's gonna be really hard it's gonna be a lot of work but i think we can get it out by october and this is the end of july i finished yeah. i finished writing uh um the day before um actually two days before uh, the anniversary of my of my father's death i finished writing um writing on the 23rd and and so um she's like yeah, we can get it out you know two and a half months we, we can we can get it out i'm like okay, if you say so.
1: If you say so. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like with my radio show. When I sat down with my producer, he's like, oh, you know, we could slot you in on the 5th of January. And this is like the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Oh yeah, yeah we can do it. Okay. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. If you want to, I mean, you make it happen. So, so with, with her guidance, I went through the process of, she helped me get in touch with various editors and i just started going through everything just as quick as i can so i, I interviewed different editors and i found someone that you know we connected with i interviewed all of them and found someone that i connected with and then she surprisingly happened to be a very quick editor so when other people Yay. Were told, oh yeah it's gonna take four months she's like oh i can do it in two weeks and sweet <laughs> she literally she edited my story literally in i believe two weeks or maybe two and a half at the most and she did and then she did a second pass in a few days and like very, very quickly. So it, it was one of those, you know, stars kind of aligning uh, situations where I found the right editor and I was able to, you know, find her by like middle of August. And, and then she was able to get it done in a very short period of time. And then I found the book designer or, or um, my consultant helped me find the book designer and, and we were able to work together and she put the vision of mine. Of my cover into you know it was able to make it a reality and and all these things and just you know just that sense of urgency with everybody that we were able to get it out and it was actually um released on um uh in the beginning of october in the second week of october awesome yeah you,
1: you really did get it out in Two and a half months.
2: (laughs) We we really did. Yeah, because she, you know, she was like, oh, we got to get out by then because then you start having the election was coming up.
1: Oh, my God. Holidays.
2: Mm -hmm. And she's like, we don't want any part of any of those times. And so she's like, you got to get it out sooner.
1: We will launch it. We want to launch it first (laughs) before all that other stuff happens. That's awesome.
2: Exactly. I love that. Yeah, it was just all that urgency to get it all done. And everybody was everybody did their part, you know, and helped me out.
1: So tell me a little bit about how your work is coming out into the world right now. You've got it's the book, really, obviously.
2: Yes. And, and as I said, uh, Sophia, with the book, I, I felt that I had to do more. And one of the ideas that came to me during that period of inspiration was uh, what would become the the organization that I founded since then, I Spark Change. Mm-hmm. and And Sparking Change is a theme that is used in 12 Hours of Heaven, and I created that in September and really started working on it in October, right when the book had come out to not only, um, you know, we were promoting the book, that's great and launching the book and everything, but that was part of the, you need to do more, Rick, you need to have a bigger impact. You need to affect more lives, you know, on a global scale, not just, you know, the people that read your book, but, but on a bigger scale. So what iSpark Change is really about, it's a community of individuals that it's it's a community to connect individuals that spread positive change in the world. And it doesn't really matter what that positive change is, as long as it's something that is having a, a positive impact on others. So it can be something yeah. super simple or something you know, extravagant, it doesn't really matter. And most- Yeah, like,
1: exactly. <laughs> it yeah. can be laundry soap or it can be uplifting messages. <laughs> Take your yeah. choice. It's yeah, just exactly. a whole host of stuff in between.
2: Yeah, it can be smiling at a stranger that you pass on the street. You know, that that hopefully that brightens their day and you never know the impact they can have because what what we talk about at I Spark Change is we talk about the ripple effect, that every action has that ripple effect. And that's what we're counting on as it grows and it's continued to grow. You know, we have a Facebook community, we have an online community and, and, and um, we have big plans for the future uh, for a, a social media platform and everything. But what, what we count on is the ripple effect that every action we do, every positive action that it's going to spread and spread a little bit farther and a little bit farther and then that impacts someone else. And then they impact someone else over there. And that it just continues to spread like that.
1: That's beautiful. So, boy, my brain just went blank for a second. <laughs> That's what happens when you're up since four a.m. Um, so that sounds fabulous. I know you brought a gift with you this week as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's so important to me to um, to have that positive impact on others and. One of the ways that I do that is through is through coaching, as we talked about at the very beginning. So I, I actually have kind of kind of two gifts, if you okay. will. Um, sure. So
1: we like we like two gifts. One yeah. gift is good. Two is better.
2: <laughs> so so for anyone right now, I, I've put up I recently put up on our on our I Spark Change website, which is just the letter I Spark well, we recently put up that for anyone that joins iSpark Change and all that it is to join is this, you know, you put in your name and your email and, and that you you say that you're committing to help spread positive change in the world. I mean, it's pretty simple.
1: Yeah, but, the, the bar <laughs> is is attainable for anyone.
2: For anyone, exactly. That's an excellent way to put it. So what, what we have on there now, which is a, a gift for you know any of your listeners or anyone that joins right now, is that they get a, a download of 25 simple and creative ways to spread positive change. So oh, it's
1: nice. A, so you give us some seed ideas to start with.
2: Exactly. Seed ideas that are something, as you said, the bar for anyone, anyone can do these ideas. They don't cost anything. They're very simple. Anyone can do those. So there's those, that's, that's initial gift. And then the second gift, because um, as I was saying, impact others through coaching, is that for um, the first three of your listeners, that um you know reference the show that send me they can find me on social media it doesn't matter where instagram facebook i'll make it really yeah
1: and if you go out to sovereign media, all his information is out there so you can he'll be up at the top look for rick and you can find the place to sign up for I Change and all of his contact information. So finish your thought. If they yeah. tell you that they found you through me, yeah. If they, if
2: they watch the show and, and they heard about this, if they reference the show, I'll give them a, a, a one-on-one, an individual thirty-minute uh, Zoom or, or phone call where we can talk about their life and, and how you know they can spread positive change and, and you know, whatever work they're doing. Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
1: I love that. (laughs) It's not often you just get 30 minutes of somebody's time to have them assist you in improving your life or your effectiveness or even sparking an idea to be the change that you want to see in the world. I love that. Oh, it's been so much fun having you here with me today, Rick. What would be your parting words of wisdom? I will give you 60 seconds of wisdom. Uh,
2: Thank you, uh, Sophia, first for having me on the show. But the parting words of wisdom are very simple. And it's what we just spoke about a minute ago. It's just that anyone can spread positive change. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if um, you don't consider yourself well-known or famous, or if you don't know anybody, or if you don't have followers on social media, or if you're not rich, or it doesn't matter. Anyone can spread positive change. And it just starts with believing um, that you want to positively impact the world and believing in here in your heart and your head that it starts with you. And then that will translate into some positive actions on your part.
1: Absolutely. And I will throw out there that if you are stumped, if you think that what he just said was like, well, that's for everybody but me, I would invite you to get a little curious go out to sovereignself.media, go out to iSparkChange and uh, claim your 30 minutes with Rick. And let's see if maybe he can change your mind about all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's been so much fun having you here with me today, Rick. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, likewise, Sophia. Thank you very much for having me on, um, on your show. It's been a pleasure.
1: Excellent, and thank you to everyone who joined us today on the show. I do this show for you to give you some company, some inspiration, and some guidance as you're going through the world on your journey. I know this world is a really heavy, dense place sometimes, and so we're here to support you and uplift you. If you have any comments or suggestions, if there are people you would like to see me talk to on the show, if there are topics you'd like to hear more about in more depth, please shoot me an email. I'm, I'm, I don't bite, I'm not intimidating. (laughs) Ask Zofia, A-S-K-Z-O-F-I-A at transformationspace.co. I love to hear whatever is on your heart around the show and your journey. And until next week, go out and live soul first.